Welcome to Living Off Course. Join us if you're fascinated by people who break free of societal norms to live life on their own terms. I'm Zita Moran, and with my co-host, Janie Lim, we're exploring what it takes to live a life that's authentically yours. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode two of Living Off Course. This week, Janie and I spoke to the wonderful Jen Tracy, digital nomad and one half of Occasionally Interesting, a podcast where a couple travels the world interviewing the most interesting people they meet along the way. She's always loved helping others to share their stories and accomplish their dreams. This desire has led her to start a podcast, make a career out of art and marketing for sustainable and socially conscious companies, and have a side hobby slash job of doing large-scale murals and lettering quotes. She is also, most importantly, dog mum to Chewy, possibly one of the cutest dogs I've ever seen. We had a great time talking to Jen about all this and more. So let's get into the interview. We hope you enjoy it as much as we did. Hey, Jen. Hello. Thank you so much for volunteering to be on. I love this idea for a podcast. It's fantastic. I feel like it's definitely all of my favorite people in the world fit your theme. So I have so many people to recommend to you. And I think it's going to be awesome. And you have your own podcast, Jen. I do. Occasionally interesting. Uh, it's, yeah. interview- it's me and my fiance interviewing the most interesting people we meet while traveling the world. So it spans quite the gamut. We've met so many amazing people. And actually, we just like thought about it. We've been in Thailand for two years as our home base and realized that all of our close friends in one way or another, we know them through our podcast. So I'm sure that the type of thing is going to happen to you guys. It's just like the connections that it makes are so unexpected. Like you don't see where it's going to go and it has profoundly impacted my life in ways that I never anticipated so it's a great thing to do I love having a podcast I love what your podcast is about it really spoke to me you just want to get into the big talk because we all kind of hate small talk talk and that's what we have in common Absolutely. Yeah. That's another thing of being like, I feel like so many people really don't like small talk. They want to get to the big talk. And having done this podcast now, I feel like, well, number one, I have an excuse as soon as I meet someone I find interesting to be like, you're interesting. And when you put a microphone in someone's face, it gives them social permission to just cut to the chase. People will open up and get vulnerable and get real with you when there's a microphone in front of their face so much more than if you guys were just sharing a coffee. It's amazing. But then also I have this practice now of interrogating people that I can bring to other (laughs) facets of my life even when there's not a microphone I remember like oh this was a really good question that I came up with on the podcast and now I can ask this to somebody I'm meeting at a networking event and change it from something really standard to something deeper and more interesting well that's amazing what's your favorite question then to ask on a podcast Our format is kind of the first half or so is towards the guest specialty, what they want to talk about. And then the second half is the same 10 questions we ask to every single guest. I really like them all in different ways, good stuff out of them. But the first question we ask is one that I really love and think about for myself all the time. And that's what is the most unrealistic thing you believe in? I love that. (laughs) That's really cool. Where are you, Jen? Like right where now, in I'm in Copenhagen. Yeah. Okay, you're in Copenhagen, but usually you spend most of your time I in been northern Thailand. Between yeah, between Pai and Chiang Mai for the last two years, and then I moved to Copenhagen on March first. We moved here and had our joint bachelor party for the first week of March. So our friends from all over the world came in, and we uh, it was awesome. A whole bunch of people did get weren't able to come at the last minute because of Corona, but it didn't get particularly crazy until about a week afterwards. But yeah, it was a really cool 
way to move to a new place is to have all your friends come and explore it with you. Oh, that's amazing. So is it your first time in Copenhagen? Yes. Okay. I'd love to know what you think about it. Well, I only got to experience it for about two weeks before we went on lockdown. It was really interesting. Again, it was really cool to have my friends here and have a party because I don't, living as a digital nomad, I don't typically do very many touristy things uh, to just kind of make home wherever I happen to be. But since we had friends here, we did more touristy things and that was pretty fun. And then when Corona was just getting started, um, the second week of March, I was feeling like I could feel like I was starting to go a little more stressed and crazy than I wanted to. And so I went to uh, one of Copenhagen is pretty infamous for its myriad of yoga and meditation retreats. So I went to a yoga meditation retreat for a few days starting like March 15th or something and was there kind of as everything started to really kick off and get crazy. And I'm so glad I did that. It definitely was like, yeah, really smart decision to kind of be like, all right, it's about to hit the fan. Why don't I go like work on some tools and get myself in a really good place to be able to handle this all calmly and I feel like it really helped but I also got to explore that side of Copenhagen and that was really awesome yeah I'm surprised that we haven't met Jen yeah what's your background oh, uh, yeah I'm um, based in Chiang Mai most of the year yeah it's my oh, favorite wow. place in the world I have an apartment there nice. I've been going there for about seven years oh wow yeah it's so awesome. old school yeah she's yeah. one of the OGs of Chiang Mai Really? Wow. <laughs> yes. My brother oh, started going in 2014. Oh, wow. And does he spend a lot of time there too? So, no, it's not like his home base. He Saigon is usually his home base. He's actually in Koh Samui right now, which is the next island over from here, which is pretty funny to be, because he we came to my bachelor party and then I was starting to try to leave and then everything got shut down. He was like, ah, fuck it. And he got a really nice villa with some friends over there. Um, but no, he first came to Chiang Mai as like his first destination as a digital nomad in 2014. And he kind of paved the path for me, told me about Chiang Mai and about Pai and was like, of all the places in the entire world that I've been like these places were made for you like I think they're pretty cool they were made for you and my brother doesn't we're not like friends he doesn't really think about me much so for him to like go to a place and be like "Mm, my sister would like this really meant a lot and so I was like all right all right I gotta check that out wow (laughs) incredible so uh, is it just the two of you of siblings yeah yes yeah and so you both like kind of uh did the digital nomad thing yeah people are surprised (laughs) yeah people don't usually meet siblings who are both doing it I'd say we're on like interesting sides and spectrums of it especially in terms of our lifestyle so even the work but yeah it's it's cool to have have been paved the path so that my mom wasn't totally terrified (laughs) and where's home home is Philadelphia Pennsylvania USA okay and how often do you get back Well, we were supposed to be going back next week, maybe, because we were going to be getting married in two months. But of course, that has been indefinitely postponed due to Corona. And now, yeah, it's just kind of like, okay, well, if that's the case, we're just going to stay in Copenhagen indefinitely and uh, ride it out. But I've only been back once since starting this lifestyle and that was for my cousin's wedding about a year ago I've always been a bit um remote work or I've kind of gone back and forth between the two worlds throughout my whole career doing remote work freelance stuff and then kind of getting an office job for a minute and being like oh no liking to remind myself why that doesn't fit me so I lived all over the U.S. 
for a long time. I've always moved a lot, but, um, and then I did about a three month stint in Costa Rica in 2016, but then yeah, 2018 was when I launched off the permanent lifestyle. Wow. Awesome. And it's amazing that you and Trevor moved together. Yes. Do you work together or is it kind of, you both just have, you both freelance and um, you made it work? We've we've dabbled. I guess the majority of the time leading up to now has been working together in different capacities. We originally chose Thailand, moving to Thailand, because we both passionate about sustainability in different ways. And we got really interested in earthen and sustainable building maybe a year before we came to Thailand. And we wanted to learn, we'd learned a couple other alternative sustainable building methods like working with cob and earth ships and we wanted to learn more about building with bamboo so we came to thailand to learn how to work with bamboo yeah so it's so interesting how much our life trajectory or especially his life trajectory has changed since we started this journey he quit nursing school dropped out of nursing school to start digital nomad lifestyle and um has tried on a bunch of different careers in the last two years and now maybe just two months ago has decided to return to nursing school, but not to go be a nurse, but to take that nursing degree to be a better digital nomad. And he's uh, currently learning different coding languages and data science so that he can get into the field of healthcare technology. Yeah, so his trajectory has changed like a bunch (laughs) since starting this. But yeah, it's very cool to have a partner uh, along for the ride, exploring the world and making home everywhere together. That's amazing. Yes. And what about you? Uh, What is uh, your primary source of income? Yeah, I feel like my current primary source of income is is like a weird thing to talk about because it doesn't define me in like my heart song the way that I want it to. But my current primary source of income is I am the director of sales and marketing for a Kung Fu retreat, Kung Fu and meditation retreat in Northern Thailand. And so for the last year or so that I've been working there, the primary objective has been getting people to come to this amazing retreat. And of course, with corona that's changed everything and now i am working on setting up online training so it's a complete 180 of uh what my actual work looks like and what we're doing but it's a very interesting challenge definitely Chiang Mai was much more our vibe of people so all of our friends are my favorite people that I've met in my entire life have all been in Chiang Mai I think Chiang Mai just attracts the greatest people in the world it's amazing when I was reading all about you Jen what really struck me is that you are such a polymath that you've got so many different interests and things that you're proficient at is that something that was nurtured in you as a child or is it something that you kind of fought to be able to really go into these different areas and kind of follow your own That's an interesting roadmap. question. I'd say a, a combination. I mean, I'm very much looking forward for you guys interviewing my dad. I think that's very funny. sounds awesome. You're immediately getting a, a father-daughter pairing in your early days. So I think you'll get some more insight when you talk to him. But no, my parents were very supportive of everything ever they're fantastic that being said it has been an ongoing argument with me and my mom especially since in my career like once I graduated college an argument of 
me being so excited to do so many things all the time and her essentially being like, people aren't going to know how to deal with you. Like you have to narrow it down. <laughs> and at least uh, for, you know, your online portfolio or whatever, you, you got to have a focus so that people know what to hire you for. I guess the longer my career goes on, the more I think, oh, okay, like I get it in terms of marketing and presenting myself, but that just means that now I have even more websites that I didn't share with you guys. I was thinking after I sent you this link tree that now I just got to make a one website for every different skill I have and every different thing that I want to pursue. But yeah, I'd say it was definitely nurtured, but also, yeah, I came out of the box kind of being like, that's cool. Oh, that's cool too. Like, yeah, just very excited for all of the amazing things life has to offer. Well, you can really feel that in you that, yeah, you have a passion. It feels like just for life and for growing and trying things, which I kind of got from your podcast as well of just like wanting to meet interesting people. It's all rooted in kind of you're very creative and artistic. It's, yes, it's the impression I got. I'm passionate about sustainability and the environment. Yeah, I feel like uh, purpose has been a topic that I've been exploring with friends and Trevor lately, something I'm really interested in of uh, like, what does that mean? Does everybody have a purpose? Is everybody supposed to have a purpose? Are we, are we born with it? Do we discover it? Does everybody end up with one? I feel, I guess, grateful that it does seem to be a societal narrative that we are supposed to have one. And I do feel really strongly from such a young age that I knew mine and that is to do things to save the planet using the skills that I have, which are artsy. And uh, I wrote a big blog post about this a couple years ago. I moved to Chicago and did this giant mural for Earth Day of like all these different things to do to be sustainable and then wrote this blog article essentially about being like, find your purpose and use it for good. And that when I say my life's commitment is to sustainability and stuff, like people's first assumption is probably not going to be like you do hand lettering art like as something like that's a really those things don't obviously go together people might be more inclined to think you know I'm doing something in the sciences and whatnot and that's of course very valid and needed but everything is valid and needed like whatever your passion is your skills your unique interests and skills are needed to help bring light to that so I think my real thing is, or I think something interesting about me that's different from many digital nomad entrepreneurship type people I meet is that I really feel like in addition to this, that my purpose is to help other people tell their story, help other people who are aligned with my values. So taking my communication skills, my visual art skills, and working with clients, brands, companies who are doing amazing things for sustainability, but don't have the same skills to be able to get their message or product out there to be able to give a voice to all these amazing people doing amazing things. Love that. Wow, that's fantastic. So did it take you a while to um, find that sweet spot? It sounds like a I manifesto. Like... It does sound like a, a, a <laughs> yeah, sweet spot yeah, to me. Yeah. <laughs> I've definitely, it's been since I was around six, seven was when this all kind of like, yeah, I've basically been the same person with, with building skills since then. But uh, I first became like a real environmental crusader in first grade and was already, uh, yeah, kind of using skills of art to try to get this message across to other people. And uh, 
like always trying to demonstrate to other kids that we could take trash and instead of putting it in the landfill and teaching them about the, what landfills meant and take this trash and you know create something beautiful out of it and have this fun experience together. I'm sure I wasn't being quite that eloquent about it, but I know it was always, uh, I became a vegetarian when I was seven and that was kind of the turning point. Um, everything in my life I learned to cook because my parents were essentially like uh, we support you being a vegetarian but that's your thing and we're not going to change our lives for it so you got to learn how to cook so I did and uh, that changed everything I got so interested in food and where it came from and how to prepare it and share it that from there became interested in all other areas of the environment and it's just a always expanding field there's so many different areas to know but food is my number one interest and passion when it comes to the environment I don't know what I, <laughs> I forgot what the question was I just got on a ramble <laughs> oh well and it's fascinating how you have merged your creativity and your mission to highlight sustainability. And I'm curious, so uh, what, uh, like, is it the cooking part or is it the farm to table that you're- Yeah, definitely. Yeah, where food comes from. And my whole thing with everything with sustainability is that it is not this living a lifestyle of nonstop sacrifices. It's living a lifestyle where there's just conscious choices and awareness and that so many of these choices, while they may seem maybe like sacrifices on the outside, once you get into them, you realize that it leads to so much more happiness. Things like going to farmer's markets and talking to your farmer and eating in season and then preparing food for your friends and all this stuff leads to so much more happiness. And even though, of course, that takes more time and maybe even more money than going and getting a freezer meal from the grocery store or something, it's there's so much more fulfillment. I guess it's kind of changing the way you think about food that it's not just let's just go for convenience it's kind of yes. looking at it through a different lens and seeing actually how that benefits you absolutely and that's really interesting yeah Janie I can see Janie oh, oh, yes. I want to get real because we, we were talking about this like for example is Ed, Trevor a vegetarian as well no, and I'm no longer a vegetarian either. I was a strict vegetarian for 11 years and then stopped when I went to college. I went to college in Ithaca, New York, which is a huge food production area that's really focused on organic farms and pasture-raised animals and whatnot. So being exposed to that, I broadened my horizons and started eating meat and supporting farmers that did ethical, humanely raised animals. So I'm very, I'm really I'm really strict on what meat I eat. Trevor's not so strict, but he's supportive of how annoying I am. We love asking each other a lot of questions, challenging and informing each other. But yeah, ultimately supportive both ways. (laughs) But uh, it was a, if you listen to the teen episodes of our podcast, it was when we were in America, we did a bunch. And this is when we started planning our wedding because we were having it in America. So we only had about a month to like kind of get it started before we were leaving for Thailand for a year and a half. It was a big point of tension that we did want to do plant-based everything with my mom, who is a pretty reasonable eater. She's like, eats fairly similar to me, definitely like almost mostly vegetarian and like sometimes meat. But yeah, she was saying like people, our guests were going to be so upset that they would just, you know, storm out and feel gypped and like couldn't believe it. And we were kind of like, what? And uh, I don't know if you got the chance to look at my wedding website at all. I was, I did, I was yeah. showing it to you because of the section on sustainability and uh, that I... <laughs> 
oh, this is like a, I don't know, confrontation with my mom that early on, maybe like the first week that we were planning, she was like, your wedding is not the time to push your sustainability ideals. And I was like, that's the theme of my wedding, the time to push my sustainability this ideals. This is just what I was talking to my fiance about when I was looking at your website. I was like, I'm so glad, uh, not to, he's like, I was like, I'm so glad our wedding isn't happening because this is exactly how I'd like our wedding to be. Like if we were to have one, because you did it so beautifully. It wasn't <laughs> ramming it down people's throats. It was like, we care about sustainability. I love that you were making your dress out of hemp awesome. silk. Here's my little uh, mannequin girl standing next to me. Amazing. It's my body. Jady, she's made, she made her own wedding dress. I, uh, yeah, I saw that. Like you're, yeah. you're just super talented in so many ways. I'm just here like jealous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very kind of <laughs> But yeah, it was um I think and more I've reflected on this after planning my own wedding that had no reflection on my own values. Um <laughs> is the uh-huh. just the time for you guys to say this is who we are. You're beginning your lives. I mean, you're not beginning your lives together, but symbolically it's it's yeah. that occasion to say this is who we are. Please share in our experience. So yeah, I agree with you. I'm glad you did that, that you used it as a way and it wasn't preachy. It was very much like, this is, we care about this. So yeah. it's beautiful. And hopefully, and trying to be like, yeah, sometimes I can't do the perfect thing for the environment. I mean, like from the get-go, you know, I did send invitations. I'm like, that is a carbon footprint, but also I'm an artist and it was my yeah. time to shine. <laughs> Conflicting priorities. Right, exactly. So it was just about, okay, I'm not making the sacrifice of not sending invitations to do the most sustainable thing. I'm going to find ways within this to, in each and every category, find the thing that works best. It's just about questioning things and keeping an open mind and researching what are options, what are what are seven different possible solutions to one question. Did you choose um, elephant poo paper? No, is that such we, a thing? Uh, oh yeah, there is in yeah, Thailand. Yeah, a huge thing in Chiang Mai. Ah. Did a look at it. We made our own paper in Chiang Mai. We did a paper making class. It was made out of mulberry pulp, and mulberry is uh, no trees need to be harmed in any way because it's just the pulp, and it's a it grows back naturally. So we went to Vietnam and found these chocolate boxes. That was really the inspiration for the wedding invitation. Chocolate, another thing that I love very dearly. So I really wanted to do these boxes. I had the idea. We love reading and I love quotes. So that was kind of another like main theme of our wedding is having all of our favorite quotes as uh, decorations and as bookmarks in our wedding invitation. So a bit of a literary theme. And so I wanted the invitation to look like a book and have it be a pull out box with the actual invitation inside. And to I researched for probably six weeks to try to find a sustainable solution to this. And it was like impossible. I'm like, oh my God, but I was not willing to give up. And then it, I had had the idea to reach out to the place in Chiang Mai where we made the paper for our invitations to see if they could make a box out of something of sustainable materials. So yeah, they like manufactured this product for me and like invented this box invitation, which was also made out of the mulberry bark and all sustainable. And then I also got to support a local awesome artisan business in Chiang Mai. So it all worked out so nicely. Oh, Such a beautiful way to do it. 
So how did you end up working at the Kung Fu retreat? Oh, completely on another topic here. I just was reminded, I was like, you were in Chiang Mai. And then how did you meet Ian? You want the full story, which you can't repeat to Ian? (laughs) Okay. Yes, absolutely. Ooh, yay. So here's the full story. And maybe a couple months before we moved to Thailand, Trevor was still in nursing school and it was in between semesters. We went and took a vacation with our friends to Asheville, North Carolina and did mushrooms. And Trevor had a bit of a bad mushroom trip. And our friend who was kind of uh, the leader of this trip towards the end when Trevor was uh, expressing some of his fears about the alien robots that were coming to get us, (laughs) our friend was like, this is why we learn Kung Fu. I'm like... Just that. This is why we learned Kung Fu. And it like really stuck in our brains. And then three months later, two months later, we moved to Thailand. It all was like really fast. Like right after this uh, vacation with our friends, Trevor decided to drop out of school and we decided to move to Thailand. And then we did. And our first or second day in Pai, I was looking on TripAdvisor for restaurants and the homepage was like things to do in Pai. And the number one rated thing to do was a Kung Fu retreat. And I was like, what? There's a Kung Fu retreat in Pai. And it's the number one rated thing to do. Like our friend said it was our destiny that we had to learn Kung Fu. So I guess we got to do this. So we signed up for a week at the retreat, like maybe our third week in Thailand and went and did Kung Fu and really liked it. I don't do Kung Fu anymore at all, but we really liked this one week together of this immersive retreat. And at the time, uh, the main way that we were funding our travels was doing large scale murals. So we did a bunch of murals before we left the States and then we were doing them wherever we traveled. I was just reached out to Ian after we did this week at Kung Fu uh, being like, could we do some more Kung Fu in exchange for me painting you like a really badass Kung Fu mural in your gym? And he was like, why don't we talk? So we sat down to kind of talk the specs of the mural. And then he found out that my background was in marketing and that Trevor had moved to Thailand to do natural building. And he was like, this is crazy. Like I've been looking for a marketing director for the past year and somebody to start the natural building se- like section of the school. So, you know, he, he hired us both uh, to wow. kind of do something along the lines of our destiny, our dreams. So it was like, well, Kung Fu was our destiny even more than our friend knew. Yeah. So that's the real story. A bad mushroom trip is how I ended up being uh, the marketing director for Kung Fu Retreat. That's also, it's kind of, I love in that thread of the that story is that you were kind of listening to signs almost it's like oh they said this it's stuck in our mind and you were kind of following that and um for sure do you feel like are you driven by intuition and kind of listening for signs in your life would you say yeah definitely and more and more the older I get the better I am at listening to it and trusting it and yeah it's gotten well we both talked about so much when we first moved to Thailand of kind of like he dropped out of nursing school and I left a corporate career and just that once we stopped kind of fighting this uphill battle and going more with the flow how much life just kept on offering us abundance just like presenting every all of our dreams to us on a silver platter with like garnishes of chocolate and it was (laughs) amazing yeah when you go with the flow and you stop fighting everything becomes so easy and natural in a way that I could have never imagined but yeah definitely and now more so in all areas of my life. I feel like Trevor's definitely helping me learn more of like how to 
trust my intuition because there's times I feel like you guys maybe can relate of growing up kind of being trained to be nice above all other things and therefore kind of suppressing other instincts and intuition and then like not really knowing what to make of it as you get older because there's that top priority drive of like be nice be polite be professional like maybe at all other costs and now that I'm trying to not have that be the primary mode of operation and stay tuned in to other information that I'm getting and like sometimes it's okay to uh, not like a person and not have to like spend time helping them and giving yourself to them and that's been the lesson that I feel like I've just I'm still in the process of learning but definitely only kind of started learning in the last two years that I've been in Thailand so yeah yeah definitely Actually, Zita and I were talking about that. It's actually a consistent topic uh, we um, come back to all the time, like how to be authentic. Oh, yes. Right? And really Not that's have what it is. Number one priority in living my life. Absolutely. And finding other people who are. And that's really a thing of, again, I feel like Trevor's better at telling, more accurately observing people than I am. Like, I get confused. Like, if I if I meet someone and, I'm, and, and I feel like something's off and I'm like, they seem to say all the right things, but I feel terrible inside now. Like, what's going on? It's like, yeah, well, they were inconsistent and inauthentic. And like, here's different ways that you could tell. Like, Definitely. And I feel like that's another part of like why Chiang Mai people are the amazing because there is just a magnetic field of authenticity in Chiang Mai more than any other. Yeah, there's almost kind of a safe space when there's kind of a, a lack of judgment. Obviously, we're new to all of this and we were like, maybe it would be cool to really get into what's important to Jen by asking her what her kind of favorite quote is. So now we're coming to the end. What is your favorite quote at the moment? It's been my favorite quote for at least 10 years, and I say it all the time. It's by Richard Bach. I had to swim through my life like a baleen whale, taking in great flooding seawater mouthfuls of what other people wrote and thought and said, tasting and keeping bits of knowing the size of plankton that fit what I wanted to believe. That's amazing. Jen, I love that. So what does that mean to you? We have our ultimate truth, our highest truth, our highest knowledge inside us. And that life and resonance with people, ideas, things, books is just uncovering that highest truth that lives in your gut. That when you are reading a book and maybe one sentence really resonates with you, that's the plankton that you keep. And when you find a book that you really love or a friend who you really love having deep conversations with, that's somebody who's just giving you all these planktons and helping you to uncover and give voice and perspective to the truth that you already know. So beautiful. Do you have a few books that have um, really spoken to you that you go back to? Yes, for sure. And I love talking about this idea of, uh, I absolutely believe that you can get so much more out of reading the same books same 10 books 100 times than reading 100 different books or however it Absolutely. Neville says uh, that. Who says no, that? Neville, uh, Neville Ravikant. I don't know. Some of this oh, yeah, yeah. guy I follow. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've listened to him on uh, Tim Ferriss's podcast. Yeah, yeah. He's brilliant, right? Wise. Yeah. But yeah, I have, well, Richard Bach is my favorite author. That's who I just quoted. He wrote um, Illusions, colon, The Adventures of a, Lef- of a Reluctant Messiah, The Bridge Across Forever, which uh, Trevor and I just reread and is kind of 
loosely the basis for the story of our well our lives we think we're that we're we're the stories in the we're, we think that we're the characters in the book that's one of my answers to the most unrealistic thing that I believe in is that we are them um, I, mean, I wanted to ask you that later I was like I've got to ask her her own question at some point yes there's a lot, and I think about it all the time. I, I, yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot of unrealistic. Things. I love that. The One realm of the imagination that I talked about with Trevor last, earlier this week was: no matter how much evidence I get to the contrary, d- believe deep in my soul that when people like disagree with me on something that I'm like, this is so obvious, like things like food and like whatever, getting to know your farmer, animal rights, all this stuff. When people disagree with me, I'm like, they just don't have the right information like if everybody had the right information they would all agree with me on everything that I think like it's a beautiful life dream. is proven that's not true but I still <laughs> yeah. believe it. okay wait books books that have profoundly influenced my life in different weird ways but um Jitterbug Perfume is my favorite book of all time and has my life as let's see one that is essentially uh more or less a guidebook to immortality and immortal love and that there's several key components to this and bathing is a primary one so we've made a huge priority in our lives to take baths with frequency and uh yeah I think that's an awesome priority to have in life it's led to many wonderful beautiful bathing adventures and I've shared this book Jitterbug Perfume with a lot of friends and it was uh, the name of our group at JITEP this year it was a theme from the book because a lot of my Chiang Mai friends have now read it. And our first trip out of Thailand was to Nepal. And I was researching like hostels in Nepal or something when we first decided to go and then found the top rated hostel was this obscure reference from this obscure favorite book of mine. And I'm like, what the hell is going on here? So I emailed the guy or I did a little bit of research and found that it was indeed like named from this book. I emailed this guy, this Nepali guy. So found out a little bit of his life story that he had built this hostel based on this book that it was his favorite book that he had really built a lot in his life around it and then went to stay at his hostel in exchange for painting a mural on, at his hostel that was the telling the story of Jitterbug Perfume and um, and then yeah he's episode 8 of Occasionally Interesting his name is Tashi he's incredible he has an amazing story sadly art supplies got stolen before we were able to finish the mural so it was left unfinished but maybe he wants us to come back he's opened up a second location and wants us to come back and uh, do all kinds of murals there yeah so Jitterbug Perfume is my favorite book and it's influenced my life in very not standard ways but it is a guiding force and I love it very much can you tell us some of the themes like what spoke to you so deeply well, I definitely really, it takes place over the course of a thousand years and it is about immortal love, which I'm really into, but it also very interestingly tells what's going on around this couple as they go through time. And uh, I was very interested in religion's influence on everything. It starts out in called ancient Bohemia. I looked up where that was at one point. I feel like it's like Ukraine or something. And everybody was pagan. And then it's kind of tells the story of once Christianity comes in, what that does to everything and goes into like a lot of really interesting detail of like what paganism was and what I don't know. Yeah, so the religion thing was really interesting and good context. But it also the key principles to living an immortal life are essentially enjoying it like positive thought and being having an excitement for life eating well bathing 
having good sex and smelling good smells. <laughs> and I really liked this as the formula to a good life. It felt pretty on par. Am I missing any? Are you listening? I love that. It's a formula. It's hard. It's, it's a, such a long book and it kind of like weaves all over the place that it's really hard, really hard to summarize. I mean, people ask, why is it my favorite book? And I'm like, read it. I feel like, yeah, I can't. It's very hard to describe. Obviously, Richard Bach is an author I've never heard of. So that's really amazing for me to um, hear it of this new author. And I've never heard of Jitterbug Perfume. So it's like, wow, I love that yeah, you shared these Yeah, one of the other things. questions that we ask on our podcast is what's the book that has most influenced your life? Not what's your favorite book, but what's the book that's most influenced your life? And that's essentially just given us a reading list to have like always adding to. And uh, we've been going through it since we started the podcast. We just finished up The Four Agreements, which was one of the number one most commonly answered ones. And it was very interesting. John. Miguel Riaz, um, the four yeah, agreements. Yeah. We can just talk about them. They're they're very easy. Do you want to share, Jen? Oh, let's see. It was uh, something with your word. What's the word? Impeccable. Impeccable. Yeah, impeccable yeah. with your word. Don't make assumptions. I don't remember. Don't <laughs> like I, I don't take things personally. No, 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 not at all. Not to put you on the spot. It's actually it's funny because it's one of my favorite books or uh, the ones that have uh, definitely most impacted me. So don't take things personally. Don't make assumptions. Always try your best and be oh, yeah. impeccable with your word. I'm a really, big fan really of his like work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. I especially love be impeccable with your word. I've said I feel like it's something that I really do try to live by and think that it is the number one thing in my life that gives me esteem and confidence is that I say what I mean and mean what I say. Yes, absolutely. So this is one of the books that I actually go back to, like you were saying, read it a hundred times and you'll get different meanings out of it every time. And that's one of the books that initially, that's how I interpreted Be Impeccable With Your Word. And then as I read it over and over, over the years, and as I develop, I have different something takeaways. something totally different now? What yeah, now? yeah. It's more like about being impeccable with my word to myself. How am I describing? What is my narrative? Do you know what I mean? The words that are uh, that uh, my self-talk, what's happening yeah. there? Every word And is how power. you're perceiving the world and telling yourself like what this is. Totally. Exactly how I'm taking it in. That is like at the core, the essence of um, what I think that he's trying to convey with that as well. Like not only to be impeccable with your word to the outside, but to the inside as well. Yeah. So, yeah, awesome. I really love enjoyed it. that book. Yeah. Amazing. I, I love that we um, are book nerds. <laughs> yes. I love it. Yeah. All three of us. Well, yeah, we have that in common for sure. So uh, to round it out, just because I am such a book nerd, do you have an, uh, one more recommendation? <laughs> Sorry, um, I'm just like, I'm, I'm on top of this. I'd say I haven't read in a long time, but that did really profoundly influence my life. It was called Excuse Me, Your Life is Waiting. And read it a lot throughout my teenage year. I read it and reread it. It was kind of what you're saying, like another thing of the impeccable with your word of kind of what we're putting out there and what we're reflecting and proceeding. It's all tangible chemistry, physics happening in the air and like attracts like and negative attracts negative. And at the beginning of my teenage, so like a very different person maybe than I would have been otherwise, that it taught me that I did have this power to change my thought and that it mattered that I could influence 
what was going to happen to me in the world by having changing my perspective and by always trying to adopt an attitude of gratitude, especially for myself. And yeah, I feel like that's an amazing thing to have when you're a teenager. So keep that kind of thing. Oh, wow. Another book I've never heard of. So that's incredible. So I'm glad I asked. To finish off, is there anything that you'd like to share with people like cool projects that you're doing that you want to promote? I mean, definitely occasionally interesting podcasts. That was a lot of projects I'd like to promote. Let's see, we kind of just started attempting to make our mural business more more official and that's identitymurals.com. So we're trying to, or yeah, we kind of focus on more like corporate murals because my thing with marketing is really branding and that I'm not like, I'm not a real artist. I don't have my own like voice or like style. I really, as I said at the beginning, kind of love telling other people's stories. So really learning about a brand, being able to, change my style to tell their story is what I'm into so yeah we really like doing corporate murals they also give us money so that's also very nice we also do artsy murals for hostels who random Nepali guys have the same favorite book as me for free so it balances out Let's and see. about the environment as well I'll always do a free mural in a public space if it's to get my environmental agenda out there in the world always yeah for sure oh, absolutely and I guess Kung Fu Retreat <laughs> I just well promote it I'm launching I'll be launching uh, yeah this will, hopefully our online training will be up and running by the time this podcast comes out so uh, that is namyangglobalfamily.com and kungfuretreat.com these are well, these are my jobs well yeah we'll put those links in um, the podcast notes but do you feel called to do identity uh, murals for yourself as well? Do you think that that's going to be a part of your path to develop your own brand? No. <laughs> no, <laughs> okay. Know. Who knows what a little, uh, yeah, I mean, it's so it's called identity murals because it's really brand identity, but I didn't spell out the whole name because I thought that would be too long of a domain name. No, I, I really love uh, what's the word, a chameleon, an artistic yes. designer yeah. chameleon and being able to change my style to suit different clients it's a really fun challenge for me I mean I bet I have a bit of a style I definitely at least in terms of a hand lettering I'm reasonably my favorite category of time is Victorian lettering so you can tell like whenever I get a chance I sneak some like old-fashioned looking stuff in yeah no I don't know I, I like developing my skills but I think developing my chameleon skills is a more desirable path for me than developing my own individual artistic voice yeah interesting well Jen I have the same thing in terms of like I have this email account that's a Korean Oprah because like I just really love meeting people and and marveling at their genius and their beauty and and really just being able to reflect that back and I think you do the same with your creativity and art well thanks (laughs) but that is your art yeah amplifying other people's and being that chameleon so you put it so beautifully So that's wonderful, Jen. Thank you so much. I know this is extending, but if you could just share this beautiful story that Zita was telling me about that you've been meditating since you were a child, like five. Oh, on Trevor? Yes. Uh, well, yes. Okay. I was like, yes, we need to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for reminding me, Jenny. And sorry it to keep you one of my favorite Jen. stories. Yes. No, I love to. Okay. Well, let's see. Trevor was my first boyfriend in fifth grade. And the day that he asked me out online on AIM, AOL Instant Messenger back in uh, 2001 was, I was 11. And yes, he's saying my screen name. My screen name was Galaxy Girl 09. 
Good memory, Viv. The day that he asked me out, I remember it all pretty clearly. I like signed off. I was like, oh my God. And like just ecstatic and blushing and went to go take a shower because I was blushing so hard that I had to hide how hard, how hard I was blushing after I got out of the shower. I was like, just trying to play it cool. I wasn't telling my mom, but she was, I don't know. She was, it just happened to be coincidence. The first time she ever taught me about meditation, like an hour after he asked me to be his girlfriend. And um, so, yeah, she kind of like led me through a meditation and I just was thinking his name over and over again obsessively. And uh, it just got stuck in there, like so firmly associated with like, when I go to meditate, I think his name. And so, yeah, we certainly lost track of each other. Uh, We didn't get together again for 17 years, but every time I went to meditate in those 17 years, I thought his name as my mantra. And I had just, I had, uh, I'd accepted it long ago of just being like, all right, well, like clearly this isn't leaving my brain. So I'm just going to embrace it. And uh, yeah, just accepted it as my mantra and definitely feel like uh, number one, that I manifested him, you know, sending all of that highest loving, positive energy towards this being for 17 years (laughs) made him into the man he is now. But on a more tangible, realistic thing, we met at Whole Foods and I was very comfortable, uh, you know, with his name, even though I hadn't seen him in forever. So when I saw him, I just ran up to him and screamed his name. And he was like, oh, who's this person? She's friendly. She seems real into me. And, uh, yeah, then he asked me out. And here we are. Oh, wow. What an incredible story. So did he recognize you? Did you recognize me? The story changes when I ask him. He said, I think he says, it took him a few minutes. But he also says, then his weird thing was uh, he had the most intense deja vu of his life for uh, around a week after we met. He said, like, every interaction with me, he was like almost able to say what was going to come next and theorizes that deja vu is the signal of a major thing happening in the universe and uh, also thinks that it somehow and some you know parallel whatever time when time is timey wimey wibbly what's it how's it go <laughs> not gonna help me okay timey wimey wibbly wobbly, okay. <laughs> what, what was it in some timey wimey wibbly time okay when he was in fifth grade he somehow knew the person who I was going to be to him then and that's why he tried to reach out and have me close to him then even though it wasn't the right time how do you meet your fiance? So I met him in Chiang Mai through Janie, actually, indirectly. Janie introduced me to a guy at a party who I was born in the same hospital as in the UK. We found out we were born in the same hospital as each other. It was so weird. And at the time, I was freelance writing and I was like, oh, but I'm looking into e-commerce. And he was like, oh, you need to speak to my friend, Nathan. He has a writing agency and he's an e-commerce person. And I was like, okay, but you know what it's like in Chiang Mai. Everybody's like, you must meet so and so you must do this and um but the next day he connected us on Facebook Messenger and we met for a coffee and yeah at the time I mean we just couldn't stop talking but it was very much about he was really helpful with the business stuff and he really really helped me out and my mum says she knew when I was talking to her that I was like there was this guy and he was just the most amazingly helpful guy and she was like oh I knew that then but he wasn't my type so I was very much like my best friend was like oh this guy sounds really interesting and I was like oh my gosh no way he's not even my type Uh 
Janie was uh, there to witness it all. And because my type was kind of posh boys from England and uh, this guy's this Canadian, not a posh because... Mm-hmm. Hunting a posh family Canadian. background. Yeah, exactly. But just amazingly kind and beautiful. And we just couldn't, we were fascinated by each other and couldn't stop talking. And um, it just blossomed kind of from there. Like there's lots uh, more to it, but it was just that kind of connection where we just, we were really into each other. It did feel like this kind of, I've known you forever feeling. It was so crazy. And all of my conditioning said, no, 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 no. This is not the right guy for you because I'm used to the traditional posh guys back home. But I was, I was detoxing. I was in the process of detoxing from that kind of, uh, and I'm so glad I did. You know, also, it was that when you met Nathan, like, uh, because he wasn't in the box of the, the, like, oh, this could be a mate, you could be super authentic. You could show up and just be like, exactly oh my God, who you are. Yeah. When you we just... actually ended up um, kind of having a first date, but I was just trying to thank him for everything that he'd done for me, but I it turned into a date. Yeah, I said all the like stuff that you're not supposed to say to guys. Like I told him about all my embarrassing stories. Like, I don't know, just something in me just went like, I'm going to tell you absolutely everything about me. And it was just yes. like, he was just like, okay. I was trying to um, tell Janie this. I was like, if it's meant to be, he's going to love you like for all your fucked up stories and like I was telling about my dysfunctional family and they were not things a lot of them were not things that showed me in a very good light <laughs> and yeah. he was just like okay I was like maybe he's desperate but um no, no sure and I know he was radiating authenticity and, he and was that was like, it yeah. Yeah, I have Chiang Mai to thank for introducing me to my fiance. So it's Aww. a very special place. It's a special place for all of us. And, yeah. and do you feel that way, Jen? It's like uh, Trevor is just the, the guy that you can just be fully yourself and experience unconditional love. A hundred percent. I mean, it's just like absolutely crazy to find somebody you can like legitimately talk about anything with. Yeah. So, so unlike anything I ever did before. (laughs) This has been so amazing, Jen. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and also introducing us to other people, other fascinating people like you. It's been a real joy. My pleasure. It was so fun to talk to you guys. Thank you so much for listening to Living Off Course. For links to any resources, books, etc. that we mentioned in the show, please check out the show notes on our website, livingoffcourse.com. And to stay up to date with our latest episodes, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, and other podcasting platforms. Thank you so much again, and we look forward to seeing you next week.